At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplify Development Services. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. If you think yeah. I love my HBCU and bar. I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU and man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the SCCU Sports Lab to see if my team wanna lose. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lose. And who the ball? This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment as he's taking care of business with his two sons in North Carolina. Shout out to Mike uh, as his wife is in his wallet. Uh, Charles, Drew, you might know a little something about that. He take dropping his sons off of lacrosse. Charles will be next. He's going to be digging his wallet as well. Been not done that, Doc. <laughs> I know it. Welcome to episode 293 of Inside HBCU Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports, for institutions large and small, from the NIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture. HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. We're going to get into the business side, so I hope the uh, lab listeners have the syllabus. I told you about some homework. We'll get in there because we're going to talk about some of the wide receivers, who's the top at the mid-major, major level, uh, as we get into a little bit about that. But we're also going to talk a little bit on the business side, some other things. So I'm intrigued about the show today, excited. So uh, we're going to see, make sure you have some other assignments, multiple assignments, as we get into Thursday because we got to pull our weight this semester because school is starting. I'm yeah. your host, Dr. Kenyatta Kabil, along with my co-host, A.D. Drew. And Charles Bishop, we're filming from our home studios and sending the signal live. Caseways to a 30 a.m. studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, multi-Hall of Famer, and beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. I did want to have a brief moment as uh, I remember Sam Andrews' fantasy football league. And unfortunately, we have uh, sad news as we have lost one of our members. Uh, this 
past weekend, if you would. Um, and so I would be remorse if I did not give a moment to Andre Gray, who was a member of the league for a long period of time. Um, and so just wanted to acknowledge that passing of him this past weekend. Today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency, LLC. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational and consulting and data analytics. As we get into the business side of here, I did want to make one announcement. I will be on HBCU nightly with uh, Mr. Joshua Sims Sr. from Twitter Spaces, as you know, for an interview on NCA governance and structure and effects of HBCU opportunities for changing the operational landscape. As we hear a lot of discussions of what HBCU should and should do, many of them are great ideas, but I think it's important for us to kind of understand NCA governance, which uh, will certainly make things challenging. Some things were not even within the rules, so you actually would have to get a rule in place. So that's some of the challenges I don't believe people know about. So check that out. We'll be at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, 9 o'clock Eastern. So I'll get in a little bit of that. Uh, before we do that, though, I did want to hop off on some of this news here and see your thoughts on this, uh, talking about uh, Twitter spaces. Um, hmm. HBCU, particularly Jackson State and FAMU, has a great tradition, as many of you all know. Uh, but Deion Sanders and Willie Simmons says that some comes that uh, time has come that comes with some changes uh, as they jumped on with uh, Twitter Spaces conversations. As you basically had Luther uh, Campbell, Uncle Luke, as many of y'all know, hip hop legend, who's a huge fan of HBCUs, particular FAMU, as he followed his brother went to FAMU for those that may have not realized the connection he's had there, and he's followed it. Coaching in high school in the Miami, and a lot of people understand the talent in Miami. Uh, but they were doing some great um, branding, if you would, marketing, advertising for the Orange Blossom Football Classic. So if you can go back to Spaces and check that out, uh, interview, or you can go to HBCU Game Day. HBCU Sports had a breakdown of many of the things there. And Charles had talked about this at times when you say, are we ready for the changes? that may be necessary to really take HBCU sports to the next level. Some great dialogue in there, some tough things that you may uh, not grasp if you're just really into some of the comments because uh, they can come hard and heavy. But if mm. you really look at the overall framing of it, um, a lot of things that you can take out of that and learn in terms of the biggest spot of where they're trying to go in terms of understanding that HBCUs have a great opportunity in space, and while you, in my opinion, you got to hold on to the importance of the history, um, to some degree, the culture, but that doesn't mean that you can't find a unique way to move forward. I'm going to go with you, Charles, first. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, the, the, I applaud them for tackle, uh, tackling, you know, hard uh, 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 items to grasp sometimes. You know, I, I, I take my head off to Coach Simmons and, and, and Coach Prime in terms of, of uh, attempting to I guess, answer some of the burning questions that uh, a lot of us fans have. So uh, it's not always easy. I, I think HBCU sports, HBCU athletics is unique uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. And uh, sometimes when you take a look at the uniqueness and, and, and governance and things of that nature and how to go about tackling all that and the culture, uh, it, it becomes a, a bit of a sticky wicket. So it, it's uh, very refreshing to hear uh, people like yourself, Dr. Bill, and others try to tackle some of the very uh, difficult things that, that we encounter within HBCU athletics. 
Thank you for that uh, acknowledgement. <laughs> but what I thought was interesting, BJ Jones, some others do uh, HBCU uh, Twitter spaces, uh, get in some dialogue. And I've seen where you have 80, you know, 70, 80, 90, upwards to 100. But, you know, I'm always in analytics, according to Mike. Shout out to Mike with data points. And I noticed in, at the end, as I was looking at the numbers, you had 750 people that jumped on that. So that shows you the power of brand and uh, people in that space of what they can do to elevate those that come in and want to hear uh, something about the HBCU sports culture. So there's some good in taking that. So I'm going to go to you, A.D. Drew, and get your quick thoughts on that as well. To quote the immortal Sam Cooke, a change is going to come. And that change has been coming for the last five years because five years ago, no one gave a damn about anything with HBCU sports outside of us who were in the midst of the HBCU sports diaspora. Now we've got all these outside influences coming in, recognizing what we recognized when we were in high school and made the decision to go to an HBCU and with, with uh, our fathers and grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers uh, did beforehand. Now people understand that the marketing opportunity and the other opportunities that go along with these HBCUs. So the fact that you have 750 people on a Twitter space, I don't, I don't think Twitter spaces didn't exist five years ago when I'm talking about this, this <laughs> started, started coming around. The fact that we control our own story through new media, social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you know, things like that it, it, it is amazing. Look, look at my brother up here on the screen and what they have been able to do in the media space that they created. Uh, you know, I, and I know good dog well because I was, I was, we were both in on some of the original conversations. They didn't expect this to be what it is with the pregame show. So the fact that you have all these people, these things coming together, understanding what we have understood and pushing this stuff out, yeah, change is coming. Let let's be careful. Let's make sure we don't get taken advantage of during this change and let's make sure that we get get something out of it and make the best of it not for us we done but for our children and our grandchildren that's what we need to make sure that we set this thing up for persistence as i say you know past present and persistence yes leaving the legacy as others would say in regards to that, uh, Charles want to get into some HBCU news, but I see that the pregame show may be getting into the peril business. I, I'm sure you share it at the appropriate time, but thank you for giving me a little inside peek on that. Yeah, that, that's that's nice. I'm a large nice. no I'm a, I need a large man. I need a large. Just you know. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I, Advance I, order. <laughs> I think we'll be running some spots on the pregame show live, so stay tuned. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll take that. I'll take that. What else you got out there? I think it's still Jackson and the other hot news. What you got out there, Charles? Share a little bit. Yeah, well, news coming out of Jackson, Mississippi, and Jackson State. Former Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. He's going to be uh, working at Jackson State as an analyst. So that's huge news uh, in terms of uh, you talking about the, the the brain trust that was around Coach Brian. Now you got uh, Tim Brewster, who's a former head coach uh, at, at University of Minnesota, as well as 
Uh, he was uh, on staff at the University of Florida, but uh, not only he, but now you have Mike Zimmer uh, coming along over to Jackson State to work as an analyst. And I tell you what, when you start taking a look at the, the brain trust around Coach Prime, uh, along with his uh, intelligence as well, but Tim Brewster, uh, uh, Dennis Thurman, former NFL player, defense coordinator over there, Alan Ricard played in the NFL for quite some time. You got T.C. Taylor, the young up-and-comer, Andre Hart, Gary Harrell, uh, and then the newcomer uh, who's off the Mike Leach tree, uh, Brett Bartoloni. Uh, so uh, they're stocked and ready to go, but it's okay to see. Man, he named all the coaches. I, I ain't worried about that. I want to talk about the business side, folks, that I don't think people understand the magnitude of this. I think a lot of folks will get excited about the name Zimmer, head, former head coach of the Vikings, NFL ties, uh, defensive coordinator prior to that, and as you should be. Uh, the name itself uh, is something you break down, but the term that got me is the analyst. And we kind of prepped before the show a little bit. Uh, and um, I'm not sure if people really understand the value of the analyst. Uh, if you are somebody that follows the power of five, I think you've heard that term quite a bit about analysts. Um, in a lot of ways, it goes back to 2009, 2008 in terms of the history of analysts when you started hearing this term. And the reason you started getting analysts into the business is the, because NCA puts the limit on coaches and graduate assistants. Charles, in my understanding, there might be other analysts at Jackson State that didn't get the same kind of buzz, so people don't even realize it. But um, quoting this, there in championship subdivision football, there shall be a limit of 11 head or assistant coaches of any type and two graduate assistant coaches who may be employed by an institution in terms of the championship subdivision. As I told you, NCAA rules are important to understand the measure of different moves and what's going on. This is 11.7. I won't bore you to read the, the rest of it, but you can Google in FCS coaching limits and you can find out that one of the reasons you've seen this at the FBS level, really the power five level, is because even at that level, I think Drew pulled it out in terms of another rule where you have one, eight, and two. One, nine. Have one, one, nine, one nine and two. And two. Yes. One head coach nine assistants and two graduate assistants so they put a cap on that so the programs mm -hmm. that had bigger numbers you've seen this quite a bit with uh, Alabama then LSU where they would hire analysts and they would be former head football coaches um, that were um, seeking uh, to be employed so they can pay them and things of that nature this was did not exist previous to like 2009 I think is the earliest that most researchers go back maybe 2008 2007 uh, when you start talking about that. But these coaches, uh, I shouldn't say coaches because you can't use coach. These analysts are individuals that are involved with the program and they provide um, framework and different assistance to the head coaches and gives you. But it allows you to expand those that can have a certain type of contact, if you would, uh, with uh, the program. So it's important important to understand this from a business perspective of what this means. So wanted to put that on the table a little bit in terms of the importance of what that looks like uh, of just going into that perspective. So that's where I think that this is something significant. So I wanted <laughs> to put it out there. Are there any other HBCUs that hired analysts? Any other at the FCS level that hired analysts? And even at the G5 level, how many of those have hired analysts to give you maybe the magnitude of what this looks like in terms of what Jackson State 
um, under Coach Prime and the VP of Athletics, uh, Ashley Robinson needs some credit in terms of finding ways to be creative about providing more resources uh, ultimately to college athletes in regards to providing them an opportunity to live uh, out their college experience or what's going on. Go, go ahead, Drew, before we hit this break. What do you got? Uh, Charles, uh, on, on the Zimmer hire, and you may not know this information yet, just curious, do, uh, is he getting a salary for this? Because, you know, sometimes you've seen some of these former NFL coaches come down and not take a salary. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he is getting a salary, do you know if it's actually coming out of the football budget or the athletic department budget or some other type of budget there at Jackson State University? And they say this story is so new, you may not even have the answer to those questions yet. Yeah, it's something right now I'm, I'm unaware of in terms of um, how he's uh, going to be paid or anything of that nature. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's I will say this to kind of tie it in to give folks a little more of that. Um, article back in the Advocate um, several years ago talks about what exactly is an analyst, what do they actually do. There's really no firm definition of that, of what an analyst is in NCAA rulebook, the position created out of a loophole. So those are some of the things that people need to understand is that you have a cap of coaches. Um, and so by definition, you cannot call them the coaches. Uh, but if you use analysts, um, then they they're not countable towards the NCAA's minimum standard. And that's significant in terms of finding ways to move your program forward. We'll leave it right there. We'll be right back after this break. I hope they provide you some more of that business analyst. Do your homework. We got some more coming uh, because we have more information after this. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thin's. This is always like never before. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir, yes, and pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Twelve minutes to do the all. Uh, this is Doctor Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, sitting in as a clinical professor is none other than A.D. Drew. 
Wanted to get into a little bit more news before we get into the breakdown of the running backs uh, uh, in terms of mid-major, major division that will be uh, helping out those wide receivers and the quarterbacks that we talked about last week. If you didn't see that, go check out the shows from last Tuesday with the quarterbacks. And then on Thursday, we did the wide receivers. Now to the running backs. And Thursday, we'll do the offensive linemen or the whole offensive line. We'll see where these gentlemen want to go with that. Uh, starting with you, Charles. Uh, some more news of the day. What else you got out there? Yeah. Uh, this comes to us from uh, HBCU Sports, but Kenny Monday, the first black Olympian gold medalist in wrestling, is hired as a wrestling coach at Morgan State. So this is huge. Monday, the first black wrestler in the history to win an Olympic gold medal is a National Wrestling Hall of Fame inductee, three-time Olympian, and former NCAA All-American standout who brings a championship-level coaching pedigree and an expansive yet impressive resume to the Morgan State Bears looking to restart after a 25-year hiatus. I know there's music to my nephew's ears because he's a wrestler over there in the Maryland area. So uh, kudos, Morgan State, mm. in terms of getting that wrestling program back up and going. And you got Kenny Monday to take over that program. That's wrestling, not wrestling, correct? Yeah, wrestling. Yeah, not wrestling. <laughs> not, that being said, wrestling. I had <laughs> No, no, no ropes. No yeah. ropes. <laughs> Man, I like when you talk about the hard reset. I think to come in with such a coach that has been at the highest level is significant when you're trying to do uh, opportunity to really brand uh, wrestling at Morgan State. So it'll be fascinating to follow that great information there. want to get in with you, Drew. Uh, what are some other news that's on your mind that's hot out there in the HBCU sphere? Just a quick comment. You know, they're only about – for HBCUs with wrestling programs. I know Allen has a wrestling program. Uh, Bluefield State has men's and women's wrestling. Those are the two that come to mind off the top of my head. Uh, there's a Division One. Can't, can't recall it right now. And I'm just uh, say I'm going off the top of my head. So I know Morgan State is only a handful of HBCUs that uh, offer wrestling, men or women. At this current point, but getting into my news, you know, I, you know, I'm the D2 King. So Bowie State, Albany State, welcome to the top 25. That is by the AFCA, American Football Coaches Association preseason poll. So uh, CIAA champion Bowie State and SIAC champion Albany State uh, cracked the top 25 this year, Bowie State is looking to secure their fourth straight CIAA championship. They went 12 wow. and 2 last year, 9 to 1 in the regular season. Uh, Albany State started off as the 18th ranked team in the country right now. Excuse me, Bowie State is ranked number eight. I'm sorry, I meant to put that out there. Albany State comes in at number 18. In, in the company, in the company, in the country, went 10 to 2 overall last year, 9 to 1 in the regular season. One of the top defensive teams, six shutouts on defense. I'm gonna put it, and there's an asterisk to that, uh, to that six shutouts on, on defense. They had six shutouts, they had two additional games where they did not allow a defensive touchdown. They had one game when the special teams gave up a touchdown and one additional game when the offense gave up a touchdown with a fumble six. So uh, defense had eight shutouts, as, as uh, Coach G has reminded me so many times when I've talked to him. So kudos to those two <laughs> with their uh, top 25 selection. 
And sidebar, d2football.com will be coming out with their top 25 poll next week. You think both uh, Albany State, Louis State will be in there? Any other chance of HBC might slide in there? Definitely. Uh, those two will be in there. Outside chance, Fayetteville could slide in there, but mm-hmm. that would be the max three. But I think two, two are locked. Those two are locked. Great, great, great point. I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Much love to the HBCU Division II programs in there. Share some love with NIA. I want to see where Langston comes in and see if they find a way in the top 25 for those NIA polls. I saw you shaking your head, Charles, in agreement with that. But want to stick with you in terms of uh, some other HBCU news up there. Uh, Black College Football Players of the Year. Anything on that has caught your eye in terms of what that looks like? Yeah, I actually did. Uh, you got Travis Hunter and Isaiah Land. They headlined the uh, Black College uh, Players of the Year. Uh, candidates in terms of being on the watch list. So uh, if you go to uh, HBCU Sports, HBCU Game Day, they probably have had it as well. But a uh, full listing of uh, all the uh, watch list uh, people uh, and standing out. You got Travis Hunter as a true freshman uh, joining this watch list. Then you also have Buck Buchanan Award winner Isaiah Land uh, joining this list, as well as uh, Jackson State teammates of Travis Hunter, Shadur Sanders. And Malachi Wyman, Malachi Wyman had a huge season last year for Jackson State, so he joins the watch list as well. So a lot of great players out here on this Black College Football Player of the Year award watch list. What I appreciate so much is those folks are not uh, like punishing uh, the freshman there in terms of the talent that he could have. You've seen different uh, different articles um, that uh, are looking at all these players uh, which included 49 players from 26 different HBCUs. Players per conference breakdown. This is always intriguing to me. MIAC with 13, SWAC with 13, SIAC with 10, CIAA with 8, OVC with 3, the Colonial with 2. Fascinating to see what that breakdown. Uh, sticking with you, Charles, any thoughts in terms of what that looks like when you when you see the breakdown there? Breakdown, I, and and I, I guess I take a look at it. Uh, Miac was six six teams, but thirteen players. Uh, it talks about you know you talk about the talent that's in the Miac. Uh, that's pretty significant. Swag with thirteen players. SIAC ten players. CIAA with eight. Uh, OBC three. CAA with two as well. So, but the Miac breakdown from top to bottom. You talk about some talented players over there playing in the MIAC conference. Uh, should be a fun season. And it's what makes, you know, this thing going into this football season so interesting because I, I've mentioned this before. I think the MIAC is going to be real fun because you talk a lot about a lot of parity from one through six. Yeah, great points when you talk about the number of teams in the MIAC versus the SWAC, CIAA, and SIAC. Number number of folks that are on this watch list. That is fascinating when you look at a lot of that going on there. Um, also interesting when you start talking about these records. I know the MEAC has won the big games in terms of this last year, MEAC Swag Challenge, as well as the Celebration Bowl. But when you talk about the head-to-head over the last year, including the spring, the MEAC Swag is actually – uh, 500 against each other. You had them go one and one in the spring uh, and then three and three this last fall. So it's a lot more even 
when you look at the overall record, um, mm. and you have a um, ranking that came out that surprised a lot of folks that I thought was interesting in terms of the FCS preseason conference rankings um, that actually had the SWAC at eight, which is above the OVC. Um, Colonial was at three in terms of Hampton in there, A&T going in there next year. Uh, you have the Big South at 11, um, and you have the MEAC all the way down at 15. Obviously, it's fan voting in here, so uh, it'll be interesting to see because I know you all oftentimes, A.D. Drew, I come back and you talking about the rankings that you all use yourself and the SAG rankings out there in terms of that ranking. So interesting to see what that looks like. Doesn't mean a whole bunch when they hit the field, but it's off often intriguing just for fans to look at this to think what that talks about. Before we get in there and get in our last break, I did want to ask you your final thoughts on some of this news uh, in terms of the SWAC announcing its 2022 ESPN football schedule. What are your thoughts in terms of the number of games uh, in addition to ESPN adding up as it continues to pile on these games that will be on the network between ESPN, ESPN2, uh, ESPN U, as well as ESPN Plus, uh, in terms of ESPN Three as well. What are your thoughts in terms of the, the name, number of games on there? If there was Jackson State, hey, coming into this season, when this season is over, with, there's definitely going to be some Jackson State, hey, because I think they've got ten of the slots on on this matrix. If I if I remember <laughs> that number correctly, uh, Charles. But uh, if you are a SWAC fan, you have plenty of opportunity to see to see SWAC football and teams besides Jackson State on on the Four Letter Network. Uh, and, and, and the good thing I love about this, there are there are games every week on on one of the ESPN families. So not that I'm saying you need to subscribe to their app or th- their service because I want you to subscribe to the BCSN and my JBN app first, then go back and, and subscribe to that one. But there, there are plenty of opportunities to, uh, to see good swag football. And I also like that the fact that a lot of weeks, there are multiple games, as many as three games yeah. a week on yeah. this. September 24th, you got three games. October 8th, three games. October 29th, three games. November 5th, three games. November 12th, three games. You know, uh, so Turkey Day Classic will be will be on there. I, I think they pretty much got every classic on here in addition to the uh, just the regular conference games. Well, I, I tell you the funny part, because if, if you don't like this term, the big three, uh, which refers to Jackson State, Southern, and Grambling, and you're not going to like the slate of games because the big three have about 20 games on ESPN. When you take a look at Jackson State with 10, Grambling has five appearances, and then Southern has six appearances as well. How many of those, fam, you have? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to count it up now. Uh, I see, I see you one, two. Up, I'm ask you, Charles. You had 10 of 11. Which, which Jackson State game is not being aired? <laughs> I, I would guess probably Jackson State and Camel, but I haven't taken a look at it. No, no that's on there. On there. No, that's, that's on, on there. there. Okay. Okay. I just seen 10 and I looked, but I couldn't quite figure out. You know, I wasn't that close to the schedule. But, yeah, as, as you looking at that, how many oh, did fam, you, you, you only got four? You? Fam, you only has four that I see on here right oh, they now. They right there behind Grambling. That's the same thing. Four, five. Four, double five. Four. Yeah. No, I, I want my double digits just like Jackson State gets <laughs> their double digits. You know. No, the big dogs is ten. Hey, How many times Southern on there? 
Let's see. Count count them up. Uh, I see. Mm. Uh, two. You figured out, Charles? You figured out the game yet? It's who? Uh, who is it? Tennessee State Jackson, is the Jackson game. State, Tennessee State, yeah. <laughs> For obvious that game may be uh, aired on there because both of them are ESPN contracts. It just okay. may not be part of what they're shopping as the SWAC network because they added it late last year and it wasn't nothing that came out originally with the terms of the SWAC program. Um, mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if all 11 of them, which is really going to be intriguing, so keep your eyes on that. You got the Tennessee State. Uh, great information, Drew. Let's get into our, our last break as we get in. To our last segment, I want to get into the running backs and see what your thoughts on that. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean. Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, cream bottom. (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know him like I know him, they're gonna tell you if your team, if they wanna love you. So listen to Professor, yes, sir, and pay attention, because he's gonna teach a lesson. This is Dr. Dill inside HBC Sports Lab. As y'all is breaking down, it's also going to be interesting in terms of what that looks with HBCU Go, as they have some of the streaming games as well. So there's a lot of teams out there. I'm like Roy, though. I got to find a way to make sure that we get some games on BCSN. So I got to get my checkbook weight ready and make sure I can write some checks. So Commissioner Dr. Charles McCullen, I'm coming with you. I'm going to write a check. I'm going to write a check. I want some games. I want my own game. With that being said, let's get into it as we talk about this uh, running backs. We're going to start with the mid-majors. I'm going to start with you, Charles. Where are we in terms of the mid-major show? I mean, running back. Uh, Let's start with number three. I'm going to go with, uh, for me, Ike Brown and Lane. He's uh, one of those uh, hard rushing running backs, uh, number four in the SIAC in rushing in 2021 with 700 yards. Then I'm going to go. At number two, Sidney Gibbs at Shaw, uh, who leads that Shaw rushing attack. 
And then my number one bet is Jada Byers. Jada Byers uh, is from Virginia Union. Tremendous season last season for Virginia Union. He led all CIAA rookies with 910 yards rushing, and he also had 10 touchdowns. So those are my top three mid-major running backs. Going to you, Drew. Do you have different ones? Are you in agreement with Charles? Are y'all different? You know, y'all agreed a little bit on the wide receiver. You know, that seemed to work out. Uh, what, what are you looking at? Uh, Doc. I, I think Charles is uh, cheating off my paper and copying my homework because he's got the same. He's got the same answer, the same stats. So wow. I, I, I don't need to be. We don't need to be in front of the disciplinary committee for plagiarism. Okay, just like that out there. <laughs> so since I since I actually agreed on all three of the ones that he put out there, I'm going to throw two other names out there as food for thought. The number, number one is Malik Newton from West Virginia State. He, he had 621 yards last year, average 69 yards a game and three touchdowns in that tough uh, MAA, uh, Mountain West Conference, excuse me. And the, the one I'm surprised you forgot, Charles, off your list is Emmanuel Wilson of Fort Valley. He is the only returner to average over 100 yards per game, averaging 119 yards per game and seven touchdowns for Fort mm. Valley with only 600, only 635 yards. He missed a few games, but still, 100 yards a game is 100 yards a game, Charles, however you 100, 100 yards a game is 100 yards a game, but, and, I, and I think that's where my honorable mention came in because I had saw that there were some games missing from, from last season, so yeah. I didn't have him in the top three. So a healthy season, we may be looking at close uh, nine hundred, close to a thousand yard rusher right there. Uh, yeah, right there with Jada Byers, I think so. Yeah. So with that, let me ask you this: before we get into the major division, uh, Drew, what do you look at when you're talking about the quality of a running back? Are you just looking at yards that you know a lot of people do? Or are you talking about somebody that can catch balls out of the backfield? And Charles, <laughs> you can think about this because I'm gonna come to you with this as well. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in today's game, you you really want a running back who is multiversal. Can, can you put him in that slot and when you go to a four-wide or a five-wide package and put that running back in the slot without actually serving, serving him out, which kind of keeps the defense on his on their toes because they don't know what that person is going to do or, or even bringing him out the backfield and letting him catch the ball in space. That's number one. But obviously, we're talking about a running back. So let's get back to the basics. Can he rush the football? Is, he does tote he rush, the rock. <laughs> can he tote the rock, basically? And, and does he tote the rock in between the tackles? Or is he one of, or is he a, a little league running back, as I like to say, always looking for that outside lane and trying and try to bust the big one? Mm. It, it, if, if it's fourth, fourth and one, can you give him the ball? On fourth yeah. and one, or fourth yeah. and go? I like that. Those yeah. are the three things that I yeah. look for in a quality running back. Yeah. Charles, I want to see your thoughts on that, but I'm going to add, I didn't hear anything about blocking. I know you got a big time quarterback you want to protect back then. Yeah, I need you to. As well. I need you to pick up a blitz. Yeah. I want to get a total running back because I need you to pick up a blitz. I need you to be able to, you know, catch those little outlet passes, those little swing passes, you know, those little check downs and things of that nature. But, you know, the big thing for me is I think there's room for both. Uh, in terms of a one-cut running back that hits them between the tackles and the, and the jitterbug guys, 
because we've seen both. And I think the thing that's impressive about the list is uh, there are a couple players that I think out there that you don't really hear about their offensive line. So it's almost like a Barry Sanders sort of deal. You know, they're working to get their yards, you know. So that, that I think, is important. But uh, I love the, the running backs that can hit it in there and get me those tough yardages. Uh, you know, if it's a third and four and, you know, everybody's looking for a pass, well, there's a little draw play, and he gets me my first down. That, that It's the sort of things that drive fans crazy, like, God, we gave up. You know, and it kept the drive going. Those are the running backs that I love watching. Great point, and I love the tie-in. Because on Thursday, we're going to give you the top three offensive linemen and the different way to look at it is the top three offensive lines who can do it best together versus mm-hmm. who may be some of the best offensive linemen in terms of those that will end on their first team and may get a look at the NFL level going back to you Drew um, I want to get your thoughts in terms of your top three major division running backs well that this is a little bit tougher and it was tougher mm-hmm. f- figuring out who my number three was because my number two and my number one were a little bit more obvious. Uh, but I've got to go. And this is tough. I'm going to go a little bit <laughs> off the is radar. Tough for real? <laughs> with Kendra Flowers from South Carolina yeah. State, 857 mm-hmm. yards, 10 touchdowns, 71.4 average. There are a couple other backs who had better statistical seasons, mm-hmm. but he, he played for the national champions. So, mm-hmm. I've got I've, I you get you get bonus points for playing for the national champions. Yeah, so he, he's gonna get he's gonna move to the number three slot. My number two is Gary Qualls, Alabama A and M. You would think when when you had the likes of uh, a quarterback the way that he had last year, you you would think that your running back would not rush for almost a thousand yards, but he did nine hundred fifty five yards, ten touchdowns. So, uh, you know, that, that, that one's up there. But my number one has to be uh, Khalid Johnson from, from Valley. Yes, that Valley. Told you Valley is, is nothing to be played with. With 1,000 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, 92.5 average. So those are the three that I have come with. You know, Anybody, any, any those on outside that kind of tease you a little bit that they might need to keep your honorable mentions, as they may say? I, I, let, let me put it. I'm gonna let Charles throw his out, and then if Charles doesn't pick him up, then I'll come back. And I like that. Let's do a mission. little bit of tease. We'll go yeah. to you, Charles. No, that's one of your top three. I have to admit, I have a complete and total MIAC bias uh, uh, with regards to running backs because they always been getting them tough yards. I mean, from all them celebration bowls and, and MIAC swag challenges, they just move the pile. So I, I just love that that sort of running back that rugged running back that they have over there. So I had to adjust my thinking on this a little bit, but uh, Kendra Flower was definitely my honorable mention in terms of uh, his production in South Carolina State. And like you said, he played for the uh, Black College National Champions, and he rushed for quite quite a few yards for them. So I give credit to him. Uh, my number three was Gary Qualls at Alabama A&M, and that's what I'm talking about uh, with regards to running backs. You don't see Alabama A&M's offensive line on any uh, preseason all, all swag selection or anything like that. Uh, and so it, to me, you know, Qualls is, is getting it, you know, getting it on his own, get finding a way to get it done, so to speak. So Gary Qualls is my number three. Caleb Davis Ballot is my number two. And my number one is number one running back in the NBA, J.J. Davis at Norfolk State. 
Nice, nice. Uh, as you give your uh, honorable mention, Drew, uh, Jeff Roberts said any running back from A&T, RBU, running back U, and they certainly were in it. Struggled a little bit last year from the running back position, but do they have anybody maybe on the watch list to check out this year, or do you have somebody else as your honorable mention, Drew? My honorable mention comes from uh, another one of our HBCUs that we have that, that, that we tend to forget, and that is uh, De- Devin Starling. Tennessee State, yeah. Yes, T- Devin Starling from Tennessee State with 800 yards, three touchdowns, 72.7 average. So, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to throw him out there. We haven't forgot about y'all up there in Nashville. You know? So uh, I know Jackson State definitely is, is aware of him and will be aware of him for doing uh, – during week two, uh, I believe that is when the uh, Southern Heritage Classic is. So uh, that's that's the one name that I had on my list as an honorable mention. You did get into the independence with Tennessee State, so that's fascinating. It also sets it up for that Southern Heritage Classic. At this point, not televised. We'll see if that thing changed. So I'm fascinated what that uh, may look like. But great points made by you both. Um, anything that you want to tease out that they should be thinking about in terms of offensive linemen as we do that Thursday? Not names, but uh, what do you start to think about, Drew, when you start thinking about the offensive linemen that's going to get it done for those quarterbacks that we talked about last week and obviously the running backs that we just talked about today? Uh, what are some things that you look at that's going to determine uh, who you're going to put on the offensive linemen to watch out for, which obviously could be size, their blockability? or the uniqueness when you talk about the difference between talking about a whole line? For me, when I think of offensive linemen, especially when I am at a football game, the the one person's name who I should never hear called on the intercom is the offensive lineman. Because the only time you hear the offensive lineman's name is when there's a handkerchief on the field. <laughs> Holding. <laughs> Uh, block below the waist, uh, a legal man downfield, something along that line. So that's that's what makes offensive line tough because the good offensive linemen, you really don't hear their name except when somebody go back and tell you, yeah, he had he had four pancakes or something along that line. So that, that that's one thing. Do do I really know your name like that, or do I know your name? From the intercom. If I know your name from the intercom, chances are you're not going to make my list. That that's number one. Then number two is your offensive lineman in comparison to the style that you're trying to run. And we have to be careful that we we have teams that are pass first. So if your team is a pass first team, or or, or, or they pass blocking, how many times has your your quarterback been sacked? If you are a pass first team, if your offensive line gives up a lot of sacks. Chances are you're probably not going to make my list. Uh, and then, obviously, if you're a rush first team, what, what is your running back doing? You know, it, it, do you have a running back close to 1,000 yards, or do you have a group of running backs? you got three of them with uh, 600 yards, so you got almost 2,000 yards as a, as a line. And then, and then there's your quarterback also with some, with some good rushing stats. So that's what you really have to evaluate the type of type of team that they have because if I'm looking for a Buddy Pew team, I'm looking at their, their overall rushing stats because they're a rush first team. If I'm looking at a Connell Maynard team, type team, I'm looking at how many sacks their, uh, their quarterback, whoever replaces Aquil Glass, 
gets as far as making that evaluation on whether I should consider them, them as a line, as a group or an individual off of that line. Charles, what about you? I've had multiple defensive coordinators tell me the ultimate, uh, and this is a tease for Thursday, the, that the ultimate offensive lineman that he always pays attention to is the center. And that's an individual who's making a lot of line calls, who mm. probably more than anybody knows what everybody is doing in every position. Uh, and he's a cohesive person with regards to that offensive line. He said, you know, the offensive tackles, they get the money. They get, they, they have the uh, intangibles, the long arms and things of that nature. And then, and they are the ones who's paid, but oftentimes the center is the person who is the glue guy who can take, who can go to the chalkboard and draw up whatever and can make the line calls, can make the protections, can find the mic, can get to the next level, things of that nature. So that's my tease of going into Thursday in terms of who my top offensive line might be. Great tease, man. That reminds me of a prayer view in terms of the um, center they had last year that really was one of the guys that made it go. So great points when you talk about that, both of you all, for that matter. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Niata Kaville, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, and our guest, A.D. Drew, today. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we'll be back at Thursday at 6 o'clock. We look forward to next week as we uh, discuss the latest in the news um, as we get you the information on Thursday as well. Get ready because we'll start to come back on Sundays as we'll give you the post-analysis of games uh, as we get things started in a couple of weeks. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. My JVN, my BCSN. Uh, as you start to watch, you know, make sure you follow all the shows, the pregame show, 1876 and Sports and Coaches coming. Uh, AD Drew has had a great show on Sunday in terms of Brian and the AD Sports Rap show, uh, as well as ONG Strike Zones on Wednesday, uh, Carlos Brown on Saturdays, uh, and we will have BJ Jones coming back with the HBC Sport Football uh, Report as well. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Drew? Lecture. Dismissed. Well, holla.